Welcome to Podcast Awesome, where we chat about icons, design, tech, business, and nerdery with members of the Fawn Awesome team. Fawn Awesome, they'll make something awesome. Fawn Awesome, they'll make something awesome. In this podcast, I catch up with Fawn Awesome co-founder, Travis Chase, and the newest member of the team, Corey LaVisca the creator of the Web Components Library, Shoelace. We chat about how the partnership between Shoelace and Fawn Awesome came about and how the worlds of design systems, web components, and icons intersect. Well, Corey, uh... You're the boss of Shoelace. We're excited to have you on Podcast Awesome. And it sounds like this partnership between Shoelace and Font Awesome was maybe a long time coming, maybe. You guys have been uh, introduced to one another for a while. Travis, do you have a story about when you got to know Corey? Uh, Yeah, getting to know Corey is more of a recent thing, but following Mm. Shoelace, uh, the project, kind of kept track of it off and on. Looking at uh, thinking through design systems components, looking at when we first started Ford Awesome, we used Bootstrap as kind of our design language design uh, system. And then we messed around with Tachyons and then we started doing some of our own stuff. But back in the day, would kind of keep uh, track of Shoelace just because it was kind of, and I'll let Corey tell the story of Shoelace, but you know, for me, it was kind of like, Bootstrap Plus Plus, uh, one of the very first editions, and then uh, following on, keeping track. And I guess, I think with my RSS reader, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, a blog post came up where he talked about uh, switching from stencil to uh, lit. And we had been thinking about web components for a while and actually had one built in stencil. It was our uh, icon chooser that Mike built. And I was kind of like, interesting. I I, I want to know, like, because we we ran into some different things with our icon chooser with stencil, and I was just kind of like, okay, cool. Is there is there something that he ran into that we saw, you know? And is it something I need to think about that kind of thing? And so, you know, I, I blog post, and I was like, oh wait, that's from the guy that, that does shoelace. And then I went and, and I was like, okay, what's been happening with shoelace recently? And it's like, oh, well now it's a web component library, mm. and so that's kind of where it's like, this is really interesting, you know, because this is kind of what internally we've been thinking about and uh, mulling over and, and seeing where that plays with what we're doing, just even for fawnawesomesay.com or this apps we're building, mm-hmm. but also things that maybe pairs well with designer and developers. We already uh, talked to these are great tools. Right. Yeah. So Corey, uh, glad to, to have you here and to meet you here at the first, your first snuggle. First of all, how, how, how was the snuggle? Did you think maybe you were joining in a cult initially? <laughs> we called it <laughs> our sing, our, our biannual meetup uh, is called the snuggle. What's your first impression? I mean, you saw the shirt I showed up in and, and it was uh, the snuggle bear and it said the snuggle is real. Proving once again, the snuggle is 
the best choice because there's a lot of softness in a little snuggle. Oh, I'm all in on oh, this. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> everyone I talk about the snuggle to, they're like, the, the what? Um, <laughs> it's, it's so I think I share the same awkwardness or, or the ambition to make people feel awkward when we talk about it That's as right. Travis and Dave. Yeah. Um, but actually, I, I, I kind of want to rewind and talk about you, you said, oh, Shoelace, and now it's a web component library. So you knew of Shoelace before yeah. 2.0. Version 1, whatever version it was under version, the early, early Shoelace that was kind of like, you know. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm impressed. I did not yep. have any awareness of that. Yep. Um, Shoelace didn't really pick up with popularity until until 2.0 when it was web component based. So uh, I guess for those not aware, it initially was sort of a slimmed down version of Bootstrap. And the idea was... Bootstrap was primarily served over CDN, and a lot of users would just import bootstrap.js and .css, and they wouldn't customize it. And so my goal was, number one, I want something a little simpler and slimmer, and I wanted to explore custom properties as a way of importing the library over the CDN, but still being able to customize everything as much as possible. And so that's where it actually started. Um, and of course, the natural pivot to leaning on platform things as web components became more, um, more of a thing, and browsers started supporting them. Uh, that's where Shoelace 2.0 came out. So I'm, I'm actually very impressed that you knew about yeah. Shoelace before. That's 2.0. why I kind of called it uh, Bootstrap Plus Plus. Not that it had more, but it did interesting th- like things that we ran into. I mean, Bootstrap was a great library. You know, is a great library for a lot of people, and it, it grew a lot. You know, with some of the things that you know, slimming it down, giving you more choice, especially around the things you were trying to do. That I remember, and again, this has been a few years, but the things you were trying to do around theming which we kind of always, you know, we would take, you know, a lot of times bootstrap people would take it and the complaint wind up being like, well, everything looks like bootstrap because they just kind of syndrome. Yeah. They just kind of took the default theme. And so we spent a lot of time and effort theming bootstrap. So you can look at Ford awesome and it doesn't look like bootstrap, Mm -hmm. but it is bootstrap that's running. And so like, it's like, okay, is there a library like this that makes this process a little bit easier? Cause we would do uh, quite a bit of work around, customizing the CSS or overriding them. Well, we used the SAS so that we could override a lot of the stuff and make it look different. And I was like, okay. And I don't, I cannot even tell you what Google foo I did to wind up on that first version of, of shoelace. And so it was like, and, and I could tell it was newish. And so it's kind of like, okay, I'm, I'm going to kind of keep an eye on this a little bit and see kind of where it goes. And then we kind of pivoted away from bootstrap. And so, and didn't really think about it for a while and then when we got back into the web uh, component kind of world and, you know, we were using stencil, like, like I said before, I found this, art, you know, this article. And I was like, oh, this is, this is really well written, uh, really compelling, uh, you know, really well measured is why, like, Corey switched uh, from stencil to lit. And I was like, okay, this is really good. And then I was like, that name, you know, and, and then I, I don't know if there was a link to Shoelace or maybe maybe I went to your site and whatever. Anyway, it was like, oh, that's a Shoelace guy. <laughs> shoelace guy. Yep. And here he is. Uh, so for me, um, because I'm not a technical first person, you guys are speaking a few <laughs> steps, ahead, I mean, several steps ahead of me. Um, so for those that maybe aren't technically minded, can you talk a little bit about what Web Components is and maybe how that, I don't know, how that complements or how it's different than, say, design systems? How does that all fit together? Yeah, that's a good question, and we could probably talk for hours about this, but <laughs> at a high level, uh, web components are really a collection of 
web platform APIs that are built right into the browser and they let you build basically custom HTML elements. Uh, they solve a lot of problems that component models within frameworks were trying to solve over the years, but now we have a native way to do that. In terms of design systems, I think right now web components are a great fit for design systems. You have a lot of companies building design systems in React or Angular or whatever their framework of the week is. And then they kind of lock their teams into using these components. Mm. And the problem there is that not every team wants to use those frameworks. And so web components sort of let you build your, can I say Lego bricks? Mm -hmm. (laughs) They they sort of let you build Lego brick components that you can then assemble uh, on top of to build bigger and better things with all the consistency and and whatnot. Uh, And and the nice thing about them is you can can plug these into any framework and things just just work. So you can even pull your framework out later and continue using the same UI components. And, And to me, that's just brilliant. So while their uses, while web component uses aren't limited to design systems, I find that they're a really solid fit for them today. Mm -hmm. So I've heard before a design system, maybe like a word picture, and and let me know if this is on the money or not. Specifically, large organizations that maybe are building a lot of sites, they want to have consistency for their brand, like the look and feel and sort of function of their websites and you could maybe liken it to, and, and this is where you can tell me if I'm wrong, if, I don't know, a uh, real estate development company builds like a, ho- a housing development and the houses are pretty similar, but you would maybe have customizable options like a chef's kitchen or something like that, or an additional bedroom or, or something like that. Um, and it, it gives you sort of a template and a map and an architecture for how these sites work, i.e. houses, does that kind of get at it or is it more complex than that? Uh, I mean, kind of, right? A design system is really not just components. It's it's really more guidelines and specifications built mm-hmm. to a brand's standards. Like this is how we want to represent ourselves, everything from your color all the way down to, you know, things like your buttons and patterns, layouts. It's, it's all inclusive into a design system. So, yeah, I would say <clears throat> with your analogy, Design systems, you know, yeah, gives like again, like they're doing a whole development, and they want their their houses, you know, similar, mm-hmm. um, and they're all within spef- specification. But then they have options for changing. Right, that's where you want maybe your design system custom customizability, right. right? Where you can change a few options and get a little bit something a little bit different, but still on brand. Mm-hmm. And yeah, with where web components play really well with a design system is they can, you know, if if uh, built a correct way, you can, you can able to change the look and feel of those components, but they behave the same, right? So your foundation is the same. You don't have to worry about, is this button going to do something different now? Or do I have to hook into this event system a little bit different now? No, it's standard. It's there. It operates the same. I can make it look a little bit different, or maybe I can move it around here or whatever. But it's gonna it's gonna still feel like what you're doing, and you can easily make it stay on brand. Um, the really nice thing too, though, is that same button can be then taken to a different development with a different uh, look and feel or uh, layout or whatever, and you can change the look and feel, but the button still works, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to worry about the techno the, the underlying technology. So when he mentions like React, Vue, Angular, uh, they're trying to solve these same problems and we're there first. And I think it probably helped kind of foster the need for a web standard or platform browser standard uh, version of the same thing is 
now you can, with web components, take that same button and go around in any kind of environment that's browser-based and use it, and it'll behave the exact same way. You don't have to worry about the underlying SPA framework architecture or like whether you're using you know, Ruby on the back end or Elixir on the back end or PHP on the back end. It doesn't matter because ideally you're just shipping HTML, and HTML mm-hmm. has been standard since the web, right? Since we started using browsers, it's just HTML. It's just CSS. It's just a bit of JavaScript, mm-hmm. right? And that's all standard-based stuff that then you can rely on. And that's what makes it, you know, pretty compelling. Yeah, and I would imagine there's a ton, you're taking a ton of headache and wasted time away from teams that have maybe built in a different framework and everybody can play nice. You have a, I mean, I imagine if somebody's like building something in a different framework from somebody else, they can sort of stick with what they know and what they do well and they're going to build something together that works well and is consistent. Yeah, the portability is... You know, when you're in development, sometimes you get to choose what tools you get. Sometimes, you know, you're coming to a, a new company or a new team or whatever, and they already have what they know, you know, and they've, you know, their customers don't care what tools they use. They just want, you know, them to solve their problems. Right. And so, you know, they already have tools. They already know tools. And so, you know, you can start out with web components and you can build one and multi-teams can use it with different different languages, Right. You know, and then you can start building more and you can you don't have to move all at once. You know, you can move component by component and that way you can build a library that everybody can use no matter what stack they've they're on or chosen or no or whatever. You don't have to, you know, be super religious about it. Right. You can it's like, you know, if you like React, you like React. If you like Vue, you like Vue. But if they both need a color picker. Right. There are color pickers on those things, but maybe you want to have a certain uh, set of swatches, all this kind of stuff. Well, instead of configuring that both for both systems, you can build one web components and now they both can use it and it stays on brand. It stays on the swatches that are allowed, you know, whatever. So this is a pretty new partnership um, so far. So there's probably been lots of talk about plans for the future. Is there is there anything that you guys can talk about, about kind of what you got up your sleeve or what you're hoping for? Um, you're not committing to anything, by the way, <laughs> uh, that we will, you know, ship something uh, particular. But are, are there chats that you're having about how Fawn Awesome and Shoelace will start working together and what the hopes are for the future? Absolutely. So, what kind of how uh, uh, Fawn Awesome and, and Shoelace have partnered up here is what we were doing with uh, Fawn Awesome and a lot of the the challenges. We were having internally just building project, uh, products and uh, projects. Is there a way that we can make designers and developers' lives easier? That's really the focus of Fawn Awesome. Can we give you a great product, remove pain, remove extra overhead? Because it's a hard job. You know, designers and developers have really hard jobs because, you know, they said it's cliche, but it's true. The internet is eating the world, you know, and there's a lot of companies, they have lots of projects they want to do, they have a lot of problems they want to solve for people. And, it's, it's, you know, anytime you can take just a little bit of pain away, you know, and yeah. that's kind of what Fun Awesome did. It gave you great icons on great tech. You could just not, you don't have to think about it. It's like, you know what, I need some great icons. And as we add more and more styles, right? So you can go grab what you need, put it in there. It just works. You can get on the business of building whatever it is your task to build. And we are thinking along the same lines of what else could we do? with designers and developers, you know, and we were kind of solving these problems internal and we were like, okay, can we build a really interesting system that's HTML forward, you know, CSS forward, standards forward that you could easily theme 
You could easily change the look and feel, you know, make sure, you know, whatever visual design library or aesthetic you're looking for, that it would support that, you know, and we were using that internal and growing that internal and doing the FA icon chooser and kind of playing around with web components and seeing kind of where that world was. Cause it, it changes rapidly. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. standard, but you know, more things are coming and it's really exciting. That really started piquing my interest personally, like, hmm, what could we do around web components? Could we build a design language around this kind of thing? Does this fit where we're trying to go? And that article just kind of kicked off this, really just this storm of activity where it's like, you know, I started talking to Dave, you know, about like, man, I wonder if this is the way to, to do something. And and then it's kind of like, man, you know, Shoelace is doing this. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like this, this really looks like something we could e- either use or educate ourselves on, you know, because it's open source and that's the beauty of open source. It's like, you know, I can go look and say, oh, that's cool. That's how you solve that problem. Maybe I'd solve it a little differently. I don't know. Maybe, you know, we build our own, whatever. And then Dave's like, hey, why don't we just reach out and have a conversation? Let's just talk talk to him. And I'm like, that's where Dave's, <laughs> Dave's great. That's where Dave's great where I'm not. He's like, hey, let's just talk to this person. Yeah. And before long, we're talking. And then it just kind of snowballs from there. It's like, there's there's something here. And so on your question of, you know, where this fits with Fawn Awesome for our side, we believe in in web standards. Mm-hmm. We believe in HTML Ford, CSS Ford, JS Ford. We believe in all this stuff. And we want to make that easier for designers and developers so they can build great software. And what that looks like, we can tease out maybe a little bit. Yeah, well, um, it's still new, yeah. Yeah, but we, we definitely have thoughts. Uh, we definitely have uh, ideas of how we can have a lot of fun and, and provide a lot of really good tooling for designers and developers to make their jobs easier. And that's kind of what we're going with Shoelace. It's taking Shoelace, the great thing that Shoelace is now, and just... Adding some more. Making it greater. Making it greater. You plus, plus in it. You can always add more sprinkles. You can al- yes, you can <laughs> yeah. always add more sprinkles. Making it awesomer. Well, it sounds like it's right in the ballpark of maybe even solving internal problems for Fawn Awesome, too. Like, oh, are there, absolutely. like, have you guys made use of this stuff and seen sort of on the ground how it's making things easier for our team internally? Yeah, actually, a great story. Um, Jory, he was thinking, you know, because a lot, again, a lot of this motion internally and all this kind of stuff. He's like, you know, I wonder if I can just, you know, put a little, you know, he's, he's mainly design, icon design, that kind of stuff. He's like, I wonder if I can just put a little something together. And he's, with the documentation, uh, grab some of the components, you know, use the handy dandy CDN link and just started slinging a little bit of HTML and there it is. That's awesome. Um, and you know, you can just start using it. It's, it, it's, uh, it's really compelling. Yeah. CDN is where it's at. Yeah. I, I actually remember very well the day that, I mean, you guys obviously were thinking about stuff and talking about stuff before this ever happened, but I remember the day it sort of went down for me and it started with me. I was I was at work, at home, at work, <laughs> and I see this like dunk on Twitter, and it was like, oh, Dave Gandy followed you, and I was like, oh, I I totally know that guy. In fact, you know, I've been using Bootstrap for years, and Fod Awesome was pretty much the unofficial official Bootstrap icon library. And then a few minutes later, dunk, direct message from Dave, <laughs> and so and I, and I think a few hours later, maybe even an hour or so later, I was on my porch outside talking to him. And then, what, what what was it like? A few weeks later, if that I was I was in Arkansas 
having the time of my life with like what felt like a new family. <laughs> and uh, this is actually my third trip out here. Yeah. And it's pretty awesome. And you guys have just been incredible. So just uh, that was sort of a life-changing moment for me, a career-changing moment for sure. Uh, going from a very, very big company with hundreds of thousands of people yeah. to, you know, 18. And I can tell you, I'm not good with remembering names, but on day one, this well, is how much of a family well, you it actually a presentation feels like. And I was counting, you had everybody's name. So I don't know. If, so I, I did Monday morning. <laughs> I got there Sunday night. I uh, met probably, probably about half of the folks at dinner that night. And then by Monday morning, I gave the presentation, went around the room and I had everyone's name memorized, which for me nice. was, felt like impossible. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. Nice work. I have a Corey. I have, I have a question for Corey. Yeah. Cause I, I actually don't know the answer mm. uh, or maybe I did. I forget a lot. I'm getting old. How did you get into web components? Like what, mm-hmm. you know, shoelace before wasn't shoelace two is, and you even went through technologies even on the web component front. So when did that spark hit or when, when did that, when did that, yeah. What's that story? Uh, that's kind of goes back to the early to mid two thousands when I got into web development and I was, I just somehow fell into the, a list apart group of, Hey, web standards are awesome. Mm-hmm. And that was probably from the pain of browsers being so different and, yeah. you know, uh, but fast forward to web components. I, I was pretty big on bootstrap starting with two and three, I think. And, you know, frameworks started becoming uh, front end frameworks started becoming more ubiquitous and, we started building components and stuff. And I was like, this is cool. The component paradigm is really useful. It just made a lot of sense. But then I get bit by the framework bug. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say which framework because I'm not throwing anyone under the bus here. But um, suffice to say, I still have a an app in production that's like in an old version of a framework because it was just too painful to update. And not only that, the component library that I used in that framework also had its own version increase when the framework major versioned the the component library effectively forked. And so not only did I have to upgrade a big framework, but I had to upgrade every component in this component library. And I was just pulling my hair out and I was like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And that's sort of the light that went off. Like, how, how can we do, how can we have components that we don't need to do this for? Uh, and, and so, you know, at the time, web components were still new. There were still a lot of questions. They had this V0 version that sort of got reworked into, uh, you know, and that's kind of rare for a standard. When they standardize things, they sort of just pick them up and run with them. But uh, web components went through sort of a shaky start. And then it stabilized. And then it got really good. And it keeps getting better and better and better. And it was at the point where we realized IE11 was kind of dying because there there was not a lot of new stuff going into that. So web components and IE11 were just not a lot of fun. Um, but it was right at that convergence of, hey, we actually have modern browsers with modern APIs. Let's just start tinkering. Uh, and it was a bit bleeding edge because not a lot of people were doing it. But I think we're we're showing right now with uh, what well, as of a couple of years ago, 18% or more of every page load tracked by Chrome uses a, a custom element. And, and that's just unheard of. Like five, six years ago, it was probably in the 1%. And now they're just everywhere. And they keep proving themselves over and over and over. What's cool too is the philosophy of these two companies coming together. You guys both, lo- you have a love for the open source community, and you're both. I mean, Fawn Awesome started to solve a problem. You and Dave were working together, and Dave couldn't get these 
icons the work that he wanted the way that he wanted and like we have to figure out a way to fix this and you you're actually solving a problem for yourself that resonates with other people and and i love how it's like love for open source love for wanting to serve the community of people building stuff so it makes great sense that you guys would come together and so i i'm i I actually have a confession to make (laughs) uh oh I, i built shoelace for me well, yeah, but no. you're but you're so, you're solving a problem, but then it resonates with people. You Absolutely, know? and it's a common thing here in open source. Like I built this to scratch my own itch, yeah, and then people liked it. And in this case, um, that was exactly what it was. I was like, I, I it was that same problem with the component library changing, the framework changing. So I built this once again for me, and then I just kept building it and building it. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to use this for something. I don't know what, but I'm definitely going to use this. I'm so excited to like to finish this and start building something with it. And that never happened because the more people got interested in it, the more components that they wanted, the more things. And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And so I just sort of got entwined in building this library and adding more and more and more. And there's components that I personally have never actually used in a project, but I know a lot of people do. And so I take the time, build it out, make it as stable as possible. Because one day, the hope is I'll be able to go back and use every single one of these components in something of my own. (laughs) I just haven't got there yet. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what happened with Fun Awesome. You know, it was yep. scratching, like you said, scratching that own itch. And it was like we were building, uh, we were, both Dave and I were at a different startup. We were, you know, building something out. And, you know, the way it's kind of, you know, some of it is also fortuitous. You know, like you said, uh, web component standard comes out, right? And as technologists, uh, we, we like we like to peak by technology. Mm-hmm. You know, at the time Fun Awesome was coming out, retina displays were coming out. Right. And and you're in now, you know, and, and you've got a problem. Scalar solving. versus graphic. Yeah. And and so it's like, okay, we're gonna build this, we're gonna build it in a way that it will scale and it'll work and you know, and it was solving our problem. It's like, wait, this is a problem everybody could be having. Right. Right. And let's just let it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think um, Retina displays single handedly killed those sixteen by sixteen silk icons <laughs> yeah. that I love yep. so much. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. So a follow up question would be you're doing something to scratch your own itch and and uh, to solve your own problem. You see that it's sort of catching on a little bit. Did you ever have an inkling at any time like, oh, maybe this could, wow, maybe this could be my bread and butter instead of working in a large corporation? Did that ever occur to you? Since the inception of Shoelace as the you know version one simple like bootstrap alternative, my my hope and it and it was just it was totally a just a reach. But my hope was like maybe this could be the next bootstrap because bootstrap was just everywhere at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and I never imagined that we'd start to pick up this kind of traction with it. Yeah, I think everyone wants to see a side project succeed, but I, I was a little bit more pragmatic in that this is a side project. I don't have big expectations for it. Hey, maybe that's the formula, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, put love into it. Keep at it. I, I can tell you my family thought I was a little bit crazy. They're like, why do you spend so much time doing this? <laughs> yeah. And, and well, joke's on you guys now because we're having an awesome time and we're building stuff that we really love and... and um, and it's just, it's been a really great experience to see something like that, that really never was supposed to be anything, turn into something that so many people will find inspiration and, and really love. And, and this thing is used in companies from uh, some, some of the, I'm not going to name drop, but a lot of big companies in the FANG levels and uh, everywhere in between. And, I, and it's not uncommon for me to hear from people, hey, I, I looked at how you did this and I really just appreciate like somebody's doing this and showing the world how these things can be approached. And uh, I love to hear people are inspired by by shoelace. Mm-hmm. Some people bellyache. 
Well, I don't know. You guys tell me whether people bellyache about sort of the culture of open source and then finding a, a model. So Fawn Awesome was able to, you've got an open source product, anybody can use it for free. And then you figure out a way to, to monetize it. But you also, at the same time, are expanding exponentially all of the free services that you have. Corey, do you, do you have a thought on, are there people that bellyache that you've like gone to the dark side or something? I don't know what it's like in, in that community or if there's um, any pushback or folks that get uptight about that. I've been doing open source for a while, mostly smaller things, and and I've read the stories, I've heard people, and I've seen some um, some projects, you know, quote unquote, sell out. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a double edged sword because you you know, while a lot of maintainers are happy to do this for free for a long time, it does take a lot of time, it does take a lot of energy. It's almost contradictory to say, hey, I'm doing free and open source project. And, hey, now I want to make money off of it. Because the second you bring money into it, it's evil and you're selling out. And mm-hmm. what I can say about Shoelace specifically is I've been pretty transparent throughout the process with a team that's also very big on open source. I can confidently say, like, yeah, we're going to keep the components open source. Everything that you have today is, is going to remain that way. And I think that helps a lot. So in plus the Shoelace community, it's full of forward thinking individuals who kind of get that. They're like, we, we love this. We want to keep using this. We get that you've been doing this for free. Um, and so it, it's, it's okay. We find that balance of how do we offer something above and beyond that you can opt in and pay for if you want, but you don't have to. We're not making you. We're not baiting and switching over mm-hmm. here. So they've been pretty fantastic about that. No, no major complaints. Yeah, that's great. And I'll say with Fun Awesome, I mean, that's really our philosophy. And when we, we worked on it, you know, Dave was building the icon. You know, we were all working for other people. You know, Dave's building the icons. You know, he'd hit me up. Hey, can, can we add a little search to the site? All this kind of stuff. And when we decided to, is there a way that we could make Fun Awesome our full-time job? You know, where we don't have to work for somebody else and kind of do it whenever we have free time. You know, can we make this our, our, our full-time gig and really provide even more value? Mm-hmm. And so the way we view open source and, quote, monetizing open source, it's really just providing great software people that, you know, for people that they can or can, you know, they can buy or they don't have to buy. And since we're able to do this, the free set has grown exponentially, you know, and we provided all these other services uh, that you can buy that I believe for a great price that provides a lot of value. But that's like, to me, the most transparent contract with, with anybody. It's like, listen, we're not going to sell your data. We kind of did fun awesome before our Patreon came along, so who knows if we would have went that model? I don't know, because um, you know a lot of people get to do that model, and that's really cool. Uh, but for us, we thought it was like a pretty simple contract. You can use our open source free now and forever. Yep. You know, and we'll can, we love it. We love open source. We have amazing people, Jeremiah, who just constantly gives his own time to answer the community is an, am- yeah. I mean, that's what I love about open source. You just, these people I would have never met yeah. and these amazing people that do it out of just the love of, of the project, the people they get to work with, they interact with. And then on top of that, for us to have a company, we just, we believe provide just a great product on top of it that you, you can take advantage of if you want to. You know, and it seems like re- for us, and we even put it on our front page, it seems really clear. This is, this is what we're doing. No no tricks, no right. nothing. We're just going to have, it's like we have Fun Awesome, we have Fun Awesome Pro. You just get more. You just get more if you love Fun Awesome. Yep. And it seems like that's a great model for just moving technology forward in general. People that have a love for it, that are fixing their own problems, scratching their own itch, 
a recognition that it's helping other people. I mean, what better way to like build things and also create a model where people can continue to do what they love. Yeah, this whole this whole industry was built on that kind of yeah. foundation of we're a very still very young industry in technology, you mm-hmm. know, and the early stories with Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and just building computers out of the garage and doing all this kind of stuff, Linus Torvalds and, and Linux and just how open source just kind of, you know, that's kind of almost the standard bearer when that came out. It's like, hey, you can have a Unix system for free mm-hmm. and you get to see all the source code. And you can contribute to it if you want. You can fix your own bugs. You can fix your own bugs and you can fix them for other people. Love that, you know, and it's just being able to have a, and I love a world where you can have a bunch of just these little independent software vendors that solve this niche. A lot of people love icons. I don't know very many people that care about icons the way Dave, Jory, Noah care. I mean, they care about icons even more than I do. Like these guys just love icons. You know, and the whole team loves icons, but those three in particular, mm-hmm. the discussions they have around, right? And I that's what I love, right? You talk to Corey about web components and you're going to see a passion. That's what this stuff I love about it is because, and then you can take that and, hey, if we can, if we can make a living just providing this for people that also love the stuff or it solves their problem. That's what I love about most about anything. It's not almost software. It's almost to me irrelevant what we what we solve because right. it's the people that write in to support and say man i love you guys you just saved me so much time that's why we do it yeah that's why we do it is just be able to to solve those problems because we've all been there we've all worked in those jobs where just like i mean i had com- you know open source projects i was like man i just love those guys they yeah. save me so much time oh totally yeah, and to occupy a tiny little sliver of the world where people are working on things that they enjoy solving and yep. they enjoy sharing it. They enjoy sharing the joy of solving that problem for other people too. It's just like if we all could be so lucky to have that tiny sliver of the world where we we're all feeling really good and a lot of getting across this goodwill to other people. Yeah. <laughs> the world would be a better place. Yeah. I mean, I fan, you know, I always have fantasies of like, I'd love to write novels. Yeah. You know, this is my novel, right? Yeah, this yeah. is the way I share with the world, you know, and that's, that's where I've been skilled. Right? Yeah. On the subject of sort of the love of, Things. When did you start getting interested in tech and what is your background in tech? I think it was about 12 and I was at a yard sale and with my mom and my grandmother and I saw this cool little device and I, I, I guess I have to age myself to tell this story, but this is in the <laughs> 90s and it was this TRS-80 pocket computer yes. with this little book that told you how to program it. And I was like, I really, 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 really want this. So it was $7, which at the time was like a billion dollars for me. <laughs> yeah. But my grandmother bought it for me and I went home and I just put batteries in it and I started building these programs. And then I was like, I can change this. And it just clicked. Um, and so from that point, I took that knowledge to uh, one of my teachers, my science teacher who said, hey, you know, you can do that with this computer too. And boom, I recognized that QBasic was a thing. And uh, so I started tinkering with that and it just evolved. Um, there was a little bit of a gap there when I went in the army and did that. When I came back, um, one of the things I had picked up on was learning how to put like uh, some of this stuff that we had been doing. Like I wanted to share with some of the people. I didn't want to burn that many CDs. 
I really am <laughs> aging myself here. <laughs> but but so like, how, how can I put it somewhere where you, you know, I, I can just point to you some of the, well, that's a website. And so I learned how to do that. I bought a domain, learned how to do that, put all this stuff on there. And, and then somebody was like, hey, did you know you can like program on the web? And I was like, what? And then boom, PHP. And so it just yeah. kept trickling. And like the more I got into it, the more I wanted to keep learning and learning. And eventually, um, you know, I think we all, on the front end pivoted to JavaScript these days, but um, yeah. my love for for PHP and everything web is is really where, like, I, I love programming, but I absolutely love love the web. Yeah, that I think that's Ed's background too. Uh, his his first dive into technology is the TSR eighty. <laughs> Going even farther back, the um, the storage on that is actually a cassette, right? A cassette tape. Is that right? I, th- I think that's right for the TRS-80. Um, I never had the luxury of of the desktop version. I only had the little <laughs> tiny pocket one. Nice, nice. Oh, funny. There it is. Okay, so the speed round, what is your favorite Fawn Awesome icon? I'm going to say F.A. Taco. Nice. That's a solid choice right there. Yeah, any particular icon categories that are a favorite? Let me rephrase the question. Sure. Any particular icon categories that are a favorite? And why are they the tabletop gaming icons? <laughs> <laughs> nice. I still haven't played D&D yet. I did see the movie last night, though. Yeah, yeah. So we'll solve that problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of a nerd, so it's not exciting. But the uh, like the rich text editing formatting buttons, those uh, because I've used those specific ones before in an implementation of a rich text editor. So I, I love those icons. They're a lot better than what... A lot of projects used natively. Nice. And how about an icon category or a specific icon that you wish was a part of the Fawn Awesome canon? Still looking for a shoelace icon. Oh, oh yeah. snap. Ouch. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we can solve that. <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for taking some time to talk about shoelace. Corey, welcome to the Fawn Awesome team. We're excited about uh, the partnership between Fawn Awesome and Shoelace. And if folks, that are maybe unaware of Shoelace, where can they go to learn more information or where can they find you? Are you on Twitter or anything like that? I am on Twitter still. Um, it's my only social media presence, so I hope it stays afloat for a, a long time. Yeah. Um, but see LaVisca. And if you're looking for Shoelace, you can go to www.shoelace.style. Is that, is that's my best radio voice. Does that work? <laughs> that's great. That's should we, fantastic. Should we do a retake? No, no, no. That's great. All right, folks, you know what to do. Well, thanks, folks, for joining us for another edition of Podcast Awesome. Thanks to Travis and Corey for coming on the show. We're really excited that Corey has joined the Fun Awesome team and really looking forward to what's to come with the partnership between Shoelace and Font Awesome. And as usual, you know what to do. If you like what you've heard, please pass us on, share it with your friends, maybe give us a rating and review. As always, Podcast Awesome is produced and edited by yours truly, Matt Johnson. The Podcast Awesome theme song was composed by Ronnie Martin. And all of that slick frosting on top of the cake audio mastering was done by Chris Enns at Lemon Productions. 